0: Well, hello there, ladies and gentlemen. This is Tim Ferriss, and welcome to another episode of The Tim Ferriss Show. This is an in between episode, which is a very short audio essay intended to give you perhaps some philosophical tidbits, something to chew on, to mull over this weekend or perhaps the week coming up. It will be very short, probably less than 15 minutes, and it is to spread out some of the longer one-and-a-half to two-hour episodes that I usually do with other guests. And you can find all episodes of The Tim Ferriss Show at 4hourworkweek.com, spelled out, 4 com forward slash podcast. If you like the show or to support the show, please visit the Tim Ferriss Book Club. That's at 4hourworkweek.com forward slash books, where you can find books that have completely changed my life, hugely impacted my life. I choose roughly one per month, and I think there are four or five up right now. That's at 4hourworkweek.com forward slash books. Today's essay is about this term, Jack of All Trades, and it is based on some writing I had done quite a while back that I've revised and added to, and the title is The Top 5 Reasons to Be a Jack of All Trades. The Top 5 Reasons to Be a Jack of All Trades. And we're going to begin with a quote, and it is as follows, quote, a human being should be able to change a diaper plan an invasion, butcher a hog, con a ship, design a building, write a sonnet, balance accounts, build a wall, set a bone, I'm going to speed up a little bit here, comfort the dying, take orders, give orders, cooperate, act alone, solve equations, analyze a new problem, pitch manure, program a computer, still working on that one, cook a tasty meal, fight efficiently, die gallantly, specialization is for insects. And that is a quote by Robert A. Heinlein, considered the dean of science fiction writing, and uh, the author of a book called Stranger in a Strange Land, one of my favorites. But the point here is that specialization is for insects. But you might say to yourself, the days of da Vinci are long gone, totally dead. Uh, It is no longer possible to be, say, a world-class painter, engineer, scientist, or more. You know, those times are long gone. Nothing was discovered back then. These days... In rapidly evolving technological times the best you can really do is pick your field and master it now that can result in lots of income but the flip side of that is uh, the collection of benefits and virtues uh, of being a generalist which is what we're going to discuss so the devout specialist might label the impetuous learner, and you could count certainly Da Vinci and Ben Franklin uh, among those, jack of all trades, master of none. And so the chorus would say, in this modern world, it is he who specializes, who survives and thrives. There's no place for renaissance men or women. Those are just starry-eyed amateurs who think they're going to be the next Amadeus or whatever, uh, or Mozart, as it were, and they're just disillusioned. There are billions and billions of people on this planet, you need to specialize. Now, question is, is this true? And I do not think so. Based on all of my experiments, based on all of my research, all of my interviews, I don't agree with that statement, uh, or at least the artificial pairing of jack-of-all-trades master of none. And uh, here are the top five reasons why being a jack-of-all-trades, or what I prefer to call a generalist, is making a comeback. And if you hear some noise in the background, I'm sitting on the edge of a cornfield <laughs> and there's agricultural equipment and all sorts of stuff around. Reason number five. All right, we're going in descending order here. Jack of all trades, master of none is an artificial pairing. You can also call it a, a false dichotomy. It's entirely possible to be a jack of all trades, master of many. How is this possible? Specialists tend to overestimate the time needed to, quote, master a skill and confuse mastering a skill with perfecting a skill. And I've written about this extensively in The 4-Hour Chef, which is actually a book about learning, so that might be considered a titling error. But generalists recognize that the 80-20 principle applies to skills. For instance, 20% of languages' vocabulary will enable you to communicate and understand at least 80% of the time. 20% of a uh, dance like tango... Let's just say lead and footwork separates the novice from the pro. Uh, You could also look at, say, 20% of the moves in a sport, accounting for 80% of the scoring, etc., etc., etc. Is this settling for mediocre? If you take a surgical approach to applying the 80-20 principle, I would argue not at all. Uh, Generalists take the condensed study up to but not beyond the point of uh, rapidly diminishing returns, Okay. And you can be world-class, I think, in anything in 6 to 12 months, meaning 5%, in the top 5% in the general population. And people cite the 10,000-hour rule, which was in many ways a sort of uh, vast oversimplification of, of research by a guy named Anders and a few others. And that has largely been, I think, discredited. You can look at deliberate practice, but there are just too many factors at play here. And correlation does not equal causation if you look at that data set. Uh, And certainly, if someone wants to get to, say, speaking Spanish fluently or even Chinese or Japanese, it can be done in 8 to 12 weeks. I've seen it done. I've done it myself, even as someone who thought himself to be bad at languages as a kid. All right. So coming back to the main point, generalists take the condensed study up to but not beyond the point of rapidly diminishing returns. So there's perhaps a 5% comprehension difference between the focused generalist who studies Japanese systematically for, say, two years versus the specialist who studies Japanese for 10 years. With the lack of urgency, and this is really important, with the lack of urgency typical of those who claim that something, quote, takes a lifetime to learn, end quote. Bullshit, that's hogwash. Uh, <laughs> hogwash, what a word. Based on all of again the experiments I've done throughout all of the books the hundreds of people I've interviewed it is possible to become world class in almost any skill within one year meaning top 5% in the general population and sometimes well beyond that all right so reason number five again jack of all trades master of none is an artificial pairing it sounds good it's repeated so often we believe it to be true it's kind of like a bird in the hand is worth two, two in the bush but guess what that's sometimes true. It's not always true, right? You could run uh, probabilities and stats on, let's just say, a bird in the hand that's worth $10 and then uh, two in the bush that could be worth $10 million. And if there's a 50% probability that you could do that based on A, B, C, D, and E, it doesn't always hold true. That's the point, right? It's a, it's a very memorable uh, expression, but it's artificial. Okay, number four. In a world of dogmatic specialists, it's often the generalist who ends up running the show. This is very, very true. So, ask yourself, is the CEO of a given company a better accountant than the CFO or the CPA? You know, was Steve Jobs a better programmer than top coders at Apple? No, of course not, but he had a broad range of skills and saw the unseen interconnectedness. As technology becomes a commodity with the democratization of information and decreasing costs in hardware and software development alike, it's oftentimes, not always, but the big picture generalists who can predict, innovate, and rise to power the fastest. There is a reason military generalists are called such. And uh, we'll come back to this point, but it's very important. It doesn't mean that the leaders in, say, a tech company don't have tech chops. It doesn't mean that the leaders in a sales organization w- didn't formally develop a very high level of competency in, uh, in, in building out sales organizations. But at the highest levels, you need certain, uh, what you might consider soft skills or uh, connective tissue, like communication and otherwise, uh, to be able to thread everything together to be a proper leader and we'll come back to this reason number three boredom is failure okay boredom is failure and i've written about this in the four-hour work week where i said that you should replace striving for success in nebulous terms uh with striving for excitement right and that the opposite of happiness is not sadness but in fact it is boredom and if you want more on that you can read the relevant chapters but reason number three why you should be a jack-of-all-trades, or at least many trades, boredom is failure. In a first-world economy, we have all of the physical necessities covered with even low-class income. right? You, you, you have shelter, you have food, you have water, etc. Subsequently, Maslow's hierarchy of needs drives us to need more for any measure of comparative success. And again, in quotation marks. So we, we get pushed up Maslow's hierarchy of needs to... Uh, to intellectual pursuits, to these these intangibles that aren't as easy to satisfy as just draping a, sho- uh, a blanket over someone's shoulders, okay? And in such a case, lack of intellectual stimulation, not superlative material wealth beyond a certain point, is what drives us to depression and emotional bankruptcy, all right? generalizing and experimenting prevents this while over-specialization nearly guarantees it. And if you look really closely at some of the best specialists, let's just say programmers, those I know, they have extremely well-developed outside interests. Not always, but the people who have the longest staying power, the people who end up being co-founders of humongous companies, don't have their identity purely vested in one skill set. Okay, so boredom is failure. Number two, Consequently, or not consequently, I should say, uh, coincidentally, programmers and music. Really interesting combo uh, at the higher levels. I see it combined a lot. Anyway, you techies can, can uh, debate that one or disprove it. Boredom is failure. Number two, reason number two. We're getting close to the top here. Diversity of intellectual playgrounds breeds confidence instead of fear. All right? And uh, at the end of the day, your subjective well-being, your your contentedness is going to be very closely related to how much you embrace confidence and exude confidence, experience confidence, instead of fear. Uh, this diversity of intellectual playgrounds also breeds empathy with the broadest range of human conditions and appreciation of the broadest range of human accomplishments. The alternative is, on the extreme side, the defensive xenophobia and smugness a lot of smugness, uniquely common to those whose identities are defined by their job title or single skill, and oftentimes these folks are also at uh, past a certain point pursuing this incremental gain out of obligation and not enjoyment. Uh, and you know, most recently, I had an extended debate with uh, an engineer, a very good engineer, uh, about something related to open source. It's a very, very long story, and I'm a devi- an advisor. To automatic, I'm very familiar with say, WordPress uh, as it exists as .org and then .com, Uh, but because this gentleman's entire self worth was wrapped up in one skill set, one perspective, from which he could argue, he was more concerned with being right than with getting results. He couldn't move on until he'd been proven right in his sphere of expertise. And uh, those are some cars, as I mentioned. Uh, that doesn't mean he he doesn't care or or uh, didn't care about results. It just means that he first and foremost wanted to be validated by winning arguments in his sphere of competency. We you really want to avoid? I encourage you to avoid this type of myopic, often self defeating behavior. And part of the way that you avoid it is by experimenting in a diversity, in a in a in a uh, with a diversity of intellectual playgrounds, all right, leading to more confidence, more empathy, instead of fear and sort of knee-jerk xenophobic, uh, defensive behavior. All right, last reason, guys, and uh, this is this is just a few more minutes. Last reason, number one, the most important. It's more fun. It is more fun to be a jack of many trades, and in the most serious existential sense. The jack of all trades maximizes his or her number of peak experiences in life. That's it. All right? I'll repeat it because it's very important. The jack of all trades, or many trades, maximizes his number of peak experiences in life. He or she also learns to enjoy the pursuit of excellence unrelated to material gain, all while finding the few things he or she is truly uniquely suited to dominate. All right. So you can also be a jack of many trades and pick one to really pursue being the best at They're not mutually exclusive But if we look at the specialist Who imprisons himself In self-inflicted one-dimensionality uh, one uh, Pursuing impossible perfection Let's say in a very incremental way uh, He or she can spend decades stagnant Or making imperceptible Incremental improvements right. The the curious generalist <laughs> Wow, I'm getting all porky pig on you guys The curious the curious generalist often consistently measures improvements in quantum leaps. And this reminds me of a conversation I had last week with a former specialist, a right, programmer who's now a CEO, and he was talking about his sister in government being happy with a 1% improvement over a year, whereas he's really driving his entire organization for improvements in 20%, 30%, 100% uh, increments. All right? And I think that... At the highest level it's people who can sort of look at the same problems that have been examined before and see something different or look at uh, things that are previously unconnected not not considered interrelated who have the insights necessary in a highly competitive world uh, to win sort of in the full context sport that is business or life all right so leadership requires considering many different perspectives and therefore requires many different skills outside of one's core competency. All right. Now, this is easy to wrap up. In conclusion, number one, don't put on experiential blinders in the name of specializing. It's both unnecessary and I consider it crippling. Those who label you a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, are seldom satisfied with themselves. So why take their advice? Right? You should be seeking to emulate the people you aspire to be like. And uh, part of that is not trying to please everyone. There may not be one path to success, but the sure path to failure is trying to please everyone. And uh, I would like to wrap up with the description of the incredible Alfred Lee Loomis. Alfred Lee Loomis, L-O-O-M-I-S, who was a generalist of the highest order who changed the entire course of World War II with his private science experiments. As an amateur... Uh, so this, this, this very short excerpt is taken from uh, an incredible portrait of his life from a book titled Tuxedo Park, and here it is. Quote, Loomis did not conform to the conventional measure of a great scientist. He was too complex to categorize. Financier, philanthropist, society figure, physicist, inventor, amateur, dilettante, a contradiction in terms. End quote. So I encourage you be too complex to categorize it's fun and it's very very productive and it makes life richer be too complex to categorize specialization is for insects you should look far and wide because there are many different worlds to conquer and so with all this in mind ask yourself if I could become world class at an entire set of skills, a half dozen a dozen skills each in six months or less which would I choose? Do not settle for partial incompleteness because you don't have to. Thank you for listening. Talk to you next time. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader.